Dr. Russell Jaffe is founder and chairman of PerQ Integrative Health, LLC, at www.perq.com, a company that offers the world scientifically proven integrative health solutions to speed the transition from sick care to healthful caring. Dr. Jaffe has more than 40 years of experience contributing to molecular biology and clinical diagnoses. His focus is on functional predictive tests and procedures designed to improve the precision of both diagnoses and of treatment outcomes, and he has authored nearly 100 articles on the subject. He received his B.S., M.D., and Ph.D. from the Boston University School of Medicine, completed residency training in clinical chemistry at the National Institute of Health, and remained on the permanent senior staff before pursuing other interests, including starting the Health Studies Collegium Think Tank. Dr. Jaffe is board certified in clinical pathology and in chemical pathology. He is a recipient of the Merck, Sharp, and Doan Excellence in Research Award, the J.D. Lang Award, and the United States Public Health Service Meritus Service Award. Dr. Jaffe was honored as an international scientist in 2003 by the IBC, Oxford, England, the United Kingdom, for his lifetime contributions to clinical medicine, biochemistry, immunology, methodology, and integrative health policies. He is widely published and sought to explain complex subjects to any audience. Dr. Jaffe is also founder and chairman of ELISA ACT Biotechnologies and Magic Biotherapeutics. I welcome you to the Holistic Health Show, Dr. Jaffe, and I look forward to hearing about alkalinity, acidity of the body. First, tell us about your transition from traditional to alternative integrative medicine. I'd be happy to. Uh, The short story is that I was at Boston University for nine years. I only had one graduation, but I got an AB, an MD, and a PhD on one day. Uh, So my doctorate is in biochemistry and particularly the infrastructure or connective tissue, collagen and elastin of the body and how it links together or cross-links together. Then I matriculated through internal medicine at University Hospital and on to the National Institutes of Health, known as the NIH, where I did laboratory medicine, clinical pathology, got my boards in clinical pathology and subspecialty boards in chemical pathology, and I collaborated during my time at NIH with the Cancer Institute, the Heart Institute, in fact, with each of the different institutes in improving methodologies and interpretations of lab tests. And at that time, in the 1970s, I, like most of my colleagues, was a little bit skeptical, in fact, more than a little bit skeptical, of what today we would call holistic or integrative or comprehensive or functional medicine. And today I'm an advocate for all of that, (laughs) having been introduced to it in the 1970s by C. Norman Sheely, the founding president of the American Holistic Medical Association, a non-operating neurosurgeon and a dear friend, uh, Brew Joy. other people who were early on in the study of acupuncture, uh, including Paul Brenner, Olga Worrell, Bob Leichman, 
These were people I went to debunk and then became their student and in most cases also eventually became their physician. Mm -hmm. So I came as a skeptic. By the early 1980s, I was sure that American medicine was the best of mechanistic medicine, but it was not the best of humanistic medicine or whole person medicine. Um, I went as a skeptic to the American Association Humanistic Psychology meeting on the Princeton University campus in the mid-70s and have remained friends and student of a number of the founders of what today we would call positive psychology, learned optimism, and humanistic psychology, including Stan Krippner uh, and uh, Michael Lerner from Commonweal, as well as Rabbi Michael Lerner from uh, his perspective of uh, humanistic uh, spirituality. And so what I advocate for today is what I came to debunk decades ago. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. once I found my ignorance, I felt an obligation to become cross, 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 cross trained so that my perspective could be as applicable to the individual, but also as applicable globally as possible. Because from my perspective, and I learned this from Jim Lovelock, you can really think of this planet as a single cell organism of which we are each members. That's called the Gaia or Mother Earth hypothesis. Um, And I'm glad to tell you that Jim Lovelock has been an inspiration to me, and I think uh, to some extent that what we have done to validate the joy of living the alkaline way uh, is in part a reflection to both my skepticism and now my advocacy for what I've learned that I did not learn at NIH or at Boston University, Mm -hmm. as much as grateful as I am to those places for what Mm -hmm. I get. I think it's great that you've been flexible and able to switch from one to the other, because I don't think all physicians are able to do that. And also, I was impressed that you mentioned Olga Worrell, because mm-hmm. back in 1974, when I had lung cancer, mm-hmm. I used a holistic approach because I had gone to camp at the Edgar Casey camp, the ARE. Oh as oh. a volunteer nurse for several years because I was teaching and I was off summers and I was friends with Charles Thomas Casey. When I got lung cancer, it was normal for me to consider a holistic approach using all natural, but also including meditation, prayer, affirmations, gratitude, forgiveness, etc., etc. And one of the things I did was to call Olga Worrell because she was probably the best-known psychic healer at that time. And it was like she was waiting for my call almost. I mean, that's the way I felt when I called her. And she put me on her prayer list, and that was an important part of my treatment plan. That was 9 p.m. to 9.05 p.m. Uh, on Monday evenings, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Thursday was her day at the New Life Clinic. Uh, Dr. Robert Leichman was drawn to Olga and her husband Ambrose. Mm-hmm. When he was looking for the best of the best of the best in this area of what we would call spiritual science or mm-hmm. subtle science. And I went to debunk Mrs. Worrell in about 1977, I would guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ambrose had already passed away, but right. Bob Lightman was mm-hmm. uh, on her team. Uh, and I'm glad to tell you that I served for five years on her team on Thursday mornings. Oh, you did? Oh, wonderful. Yes, and I recently went back to bring a friend who I thought might benefit. And Bob Lightman was away teaching, which he rarely is, but he is away teaching sometimes in the Santa Barbara area. And so they asked me if I would 
join at the healing time. Mm -hmm. So I actually more recently was back as a, quote, guest participant. Uh, and it's, um, it's a great good fortune from my point of view to have come as a skeptic mm -hmm. and to find her so gracious, mm -hmm. uh, so mm -hmm. wise, um, so aware, just as you said, almost mm -hmm. as if she was anticipating right, your right. arrival. Mm -hmm. And, and um, she was, as you know, the best documented mm -hmm. psychic mm -hmm. healer, etc., had thousands of cases of spontaneous remission mm -hmm. sent by physicians. Um, and she never claimed anything. What she did say uh, when I asked her what she did, what did she actually do in that moment of healing? And it was very brief. People would come up and be with her for at most a few seconds. Mm -hmm. um, what she said was as they were walking towards her, she would see the part of them that was out of alignment or what we would call ill. Oh. She would intensely visualize the healthy part of mm -hmm. that body, mm -hmm. and she would offer it to their higher guides, to their uh, higher self uh, as a gift uh, with her blessing, um, and that's what her understanding was of the healing process, uh, and therefore she never really claimed to be all that special, except she was. Mm -hmm. She was special because of her combined humility and confidence. Now, she said, and I don't know if this is true, but I did often hear her say at meetings that she was a birthright Hungarian countess whose father was a Russian Orthodox prelate sent by the Tsar back mm -hmm. then mm -hmm. to Cleveland uh, as a spiritual uh, guide. Um, and that's where she grew up, where Olga Worrell grew up. And when she was about four, someone came for counseling and she noticed that the person had a headache. And she touched the person and the headache went away mm -hmm. and the person became afraid that this was not the work of the divine, mm -hmm. but really the work of some subterfuge or something. And then Olga noticed that someone had a knee pain and touched their knee and the knee pain went away. And then Olga's mother said to her, Olga, you can't just heal them. <laughs> before they're ready, <laughs> you have to talk to dad, your father, you can talk to God too, which she did and does, or did, she's passed away now, of course. Mm -hmm. But uh, I will tell you as another personal anecdote uh, that Rebecca and I may have had the last blessing she gave. She was at her bedside at that point. She had long-standing aortic insufficiency that she did not oh. want treated surgically. She had a reasonably long life, but not long enough from our point of view. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was actually going to conduct uh, the Methodist uh, ceremony. We had seven different traditions in which we were affirmed when we got together, uh, but she was too ill to perform the ceremony. And I think it may be the only uh, such ceremony that Bob Lightman has ever performed because mm -hmm. he really doesn't officiate uh, as a minister. He does his work, his writing, his healing. Uh, and for me, he has been Uncle Bob and a source of, of, of great um encouragement, including once when I called him in despair over something, he picked up the phone, he said, you'll figure it out, I'm busy. <laughs> and did you? Yes. <laughs> and did he take over for when Olga and Ambrose? Yes, well, well, Ambrose passed first, but mm -hmm. when Olga passed, she had made it clear that Dr. Robert Leichman was her successor, and he has continued that new life a clinic at the Mount Washington Methodist Church in Northwest Baltimore on Thursday morning from 11 to noon uh, every week. Check about Thanksgiving mm -hmm. and, and Christmas if it falls on a Thursday. Mm -hmm. 
uh, the service is um, throughout the year, uh, although Bob tends to go to Santa Barbara to teach for Dr. Jim Quacco mm-hmm. once or twice a year, and when mm-hmm. he's gone, there are guest ministers who officiate. Oh, that's wonderful to hear all of the background and also to hear that it has continued because it was so helpful to me, and I know that it will be helpful to a lot of the people that listen because of I put a lot of my interviews on my Cancer Foundation and a lot of people contact me that have cancer because of the foundation. So this sure. will be very important information for them. I appreciate your sharing this. And again, I'm happy that it has continued. Mm-hmm. So then back to acid alkalinity. What is the alkaline way? Well, the alkaline way, the joy of living the alkaline way, is a document you can download for free online from multiple different uh, sources that we've put up. Uh, and the joy of living the alkaline way is to distinguish what I will call physiologic true alkalinization, which is essential for survival, and a misunderstanding uh, of what I will call false alkalinity mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. false alkalinization uh, that right now is getting some currency. It's, it's uh, spoken about, uh, and I would like to make clear how the body alkalinizes, why the body must alkalinize, mm-hmm. and why you can't fool. You cannot fool the body. You actually end up looking a little foolish if you try to fool physiology. Mm-hmm. However, most doctors know much more about pathology. And remember, I'm a pathologist. Mm-hmm. But today, I use physiology before pharmacology. I want to know exactly how the body uh, deals with the net metabolic acids the body, as Albert Sanjorji famously said, is alkaline by design, mm-hmm. but acidic by function. And that means it produces more acid each day uh, than uh, through metabolism. And that extra acid must be met with and de- dealt with and neutralized by buffering minerals, particularly potassium and magnesium, mm-hmm. because those are the minerals that go inside the cell and maintain the energetic gradient, what's called the proton gradient, that keeps the mitochondrial battery working, that allows the body to detoxify, that allows the body to stay energetic, uh, and what my colleague Bruce Ames calls produce longevity molecules, produce those molecules associated with long and continued good health, as opposed to the alternative where the cell becomes acidic, uh, and then you go into survival mode, um, what we call survival mode, because the body is not expending energy to repair or enhance itself. It is just trying to get by mm-hmm. in the environment that lacks the buffering minerals, the essential amino acids, and the essential fatty acids. Those are the three sources from which the body alkalinizes, and those are the only sources from which the body alkalinizes. Mm-hmm. So if you have short and medium chain triglycerides, often known as MCT, that you can use to help soak up some of the uh, acids. If you have alkaline amino acids like recycled glutamine to help energize and repair the gut, that contributes helpful alkalinity. And then there is the uptake of enhanced magnesium, enhanced uptake and enhanced delivery of magnesium using novel technology that we have patented globally that gets around the magnesium uptake block that has frustrated molecular medicine and biological medicine for decades. Mm -hmm. 
it's interesting. I take something called X2O, which is produced by Zuma, which is a mixture of minerals, potassium, as you say, magnesium, and some other minerals. And I add it to my water, and then I drink that water during the day. But I also try often to take three lemons and squeeze them in the morning, take it and drink it in a, some water. Does yes, that help? Warm water, raw, warm water with citrus juice, lemon juice, lime juice, mm -hmm. um, grapefruit mm -hmm. juice, uh, etc., cetera, uh, is a digestive. It does slightly alkalinize the body mm -hmm. because even though it's acid in the test tube, mm -hmm. acid because of the citric acid, etc., even though it's acid in the test tube, in the body, twice as much helpful bicarbonate is produced compared to the amount of acid taken in. And so actually what you're doing is part of the joy of living the alkaline way, mm -hmm. assuming that your body is tolerant to, immunologically tolerant to, uh, those uh, juices. Mm -hmm. uh, we mm -hmm. recommend doing eight biomarkers, particularly one that is functional about the immune system, because sometimes what are generally good foods, alkalinizing, mineral-rich foods, you might have an immune reaction against, and you mm -hmm. should substitute for those while you restore tolerance. Mm -hmm. And I will add one more important point, because mm -hmm. it sounds like your body takes up minerals easily. Most mm -hmm. people who are listening to us do not have a body that easily takes up minerals. And if they take as much minerals as I recommend, for example, I'm currently taking 1,320 milligrams of elemental magnesium a day. I take that as two capsules, which is 220 milligrams plus a teaspoon of choline citrate to enhance the uptake and deliver the magnesium to the cell that needs it. In the absence of the choline citrate, you will easily saturate the normal ion channel, the calcium magnesium ATPase ion channel, the sodium potassium ATPase ion channel. These are very energy intensive channels that are easily inhibited by high tech living. Mm -hmm. They're easily inhibited by hormone disruptors and persisting pollutants by solvent residues, toxic metals, etc. And the novelty that we bring is the enhancing of the uptake and then the chaperoning or the engaged delivery to the cell uh, in ways novel uh, and yet physiologic because each component is natural. Mm -hmm. What's novel is the combination that technically, for those who are more technically oriented, is called an inverted micellar nanodroplet, mm -hmm. which means three charged items on the inside, but a surface of a tiny droplet that stays as a tiny droplet and can be taken up by your neutral pores uh, to get it in. And then the phosphatidylcholine and the citrate draws it to the cell, delivers it to the cell, and then energizes and recharges the cell as a bonus. Mm -hmm. It's interesting about the magnesium because I take usually 800 to 1,000 milligram a day. Is that right? Or is it of, el of elemental magnesium or of total magnesium salts? Magnesium glycinate, is it? What yeah, you so you're taking in 1,000 milligrams of magnesium salts like the glycinate. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying I'm taking in 1,320 milligrams of elemental magnesium. And let's say I was... Taking mm -hmm. that as the glycinate, that would be the equivalent of 3,000 milligrams of the glycinate. Oh, oh. Yes, because it's, oh. it's about, mm -hmm. glycinate is one of the more active forms. It's about 40% mm -hmm. uh, magnesium, 60% amino acid. Um, and I'm not looking at the Merck's uh, guide right now, mm -hmm. but that's about right. Uh, so we do 
favor the soluble magnesium salts, but we know how easily the body gets mm-hmm. saturated mm-hmm. before it really gets enough of what it needs because you need one magnesium molecule for every ATP molecule to make the ATP active mm-hmm. in the cell and in the body. Mm-hmm. Magnesium is an antioxidant that protects essential fats during transport in the LDL or HDL fractions. Mm-hmm. Magnesium helps recharge the body and keep that mitochondrial battery operating. It is also known as the forgotten electrolyte because many people know the importance of calcium and forget the counterbalancing essential nature of magnesium. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you want calcium-magnesium balance in intake, but you also need the enhanced uptake for most Americans that you achieve with what we call Perk Mag Plus Garden Perk Choline Citrate. Uh, the choline citrate is a liquid. You take a teaspoon of that. You take two capsules uh, of the magnesium as a dose, Mm -hmm. and you take anywhere from one to five doses a day, depending on how much your body needs, Mm -hmm. based on a simple self-test, which is urine pH after rest. Mm -hmm. After six or more hours of rest, the fluid in the bladder equilibrates with the lining cells, and you have once a day, and only then, a non-invasive measure of cellular metabolic acidosis or magnesium status. And we know that healthy people have a urine pH in the morning of 6.5 to 7.5. If you're less than 6.5, you lack magnesium and your cells are acidic, and that puts them away from what we call thriving to surviving. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to be in a high-repair thriving mode. I want my cells to all be that way so that I can sustain a high quality of life throughout the entire span of my life. Mm-hmm. And at the moment, according to the functional measures that we do on me personally about twice a year, I'm functioning as a 40-year-old, and if mm-hmm. I can continue doing that for another 40 years, I will consider my experiment successful. Great, good. You know why I started taking high magnesium is because I was diagnosed with AFib, and mm-hmm. I was told by someone that had it that the magnesium soothes the heart and that you can take as much as you want until you get diarrhea. And so I took up to 900, 1,000 of the glycinate, and, you know, I didn't get diarrhea. So, you know, I figured that I need all the help I can to keep my heart soothed and relaxed. Is that correct? (laughs) Well, it is correct that AFib or atrial fibrillation is a magnesium deficiency that causes irritability, electrical irritability in the top part of the heart. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in many cases, uh, if a person gets magnesium adequate to their need based on that first morning urine pH, keeping in the 6.5 to 7.5 range Mm -hmm. uh, would indicate uh, that you have enough magnesium to balance the calcium. Mm-hmm. Calcium, in essence, is the second messenger, the amplifying messenger that says, go, go, go. Magnesium is the balancing messenger that says, ah, chill, relax. Mm-hmm. What do we need in our life? We need a balance of calcium and magnesium. We need a balance of, I can do this, but also a, a balance of, let me just take a deep breath and relax. And the calcium, I've been told not to take too much because it causes hardening of the veins, the vessels. Is that correct? 
Mm, yes and no. Uh, when uh, when I collaborated with uh, Bob Mainly, who coined the term lipoprotein, and Don Fry, who identified that atherosclerosis occurs at bifurcation points of blood vessels because when blood pressure goes up, there's turbulence, and that's one cause of, of accelerated atherosclerosis, whether mm-hmm. you're talking about arteries or veins. Mm-hmm. Then there's Kilmer McCulley's work from the 1960s that has been validated measuring homocysteine in the plasma, and you want a homocysteine of less than six so that you have healthy methylation, which means a higher methionine and a lower homocysteine, and that's a separate and independent risk factor. Mm-hmm. Then what you said, the part of what you said that is true is if you look at atherosclerotic plaque, one of the things you find is calcium deposition, mm-hmm. leading to the misunderstanding and the mis- oh, uh, misconclusion oh. mm-hmm. that therefore calcium causes atherosclerosis. Mm-hmm. No, atherosclerosis is a cumulative repair deficiency. Atherosclerosis occurs when endothelial cells fall off. They are the lining cells of blood vessels. And when they meet toxins or stress, they fall off. And then a platelet carpet uh, replaces those endothelial cells and a muscle cell wiggles up to the inside of the blood vessel, lays itself down and becomes an endothelial cell. Really? Yes, that's true. Mm. So it's it's not that calcium causes mm-hmm. hardening of the veins mm-hmm. or arteries, even though you find calcium debris along with immune debris. Mm-hmm. What is really true is that atherosclerosis, whether it be in veins or in arteries, is caused by a repair deficit usually accompanied by a metabolic acidosis and a lack of magnesium, but not a lack of calcium. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because I had never heard of homocysteine until recently, and I've been consulting a doctor in California about my thyroid that had gone up to 7.3, and he did all the functional tests, and he said my homocysteine was out of sight, And so I've been on homocysteine, I guess now, for about two months, maybe. And it hasn't gone down much. It's gone down maybe a point or so. But I had never heard of it before, and I'm sure most of my listeners have not heard of it. Can you tell us a bit about it? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Kilma McCauley in the late 1960s showed that accelerated atherosclerosis was directly related to homocysteine levels above 6 and more particularly a methionine to homocysteine ratio in the plasma. Now there's a methodologic point here, which is the specimen needs to be spun and the cells, the red cells, separated from the plasma within 30 minutes of obtaining the specimen. Oh. Because, because there is an artifact. If, if it's more than a half an hour, leaking of homocysteine out of cells into the plasma can cause a false elevation, an artifactual elevation of homocysteine. So next time you have it measured, Mm -hmm. make sure that the person who draws the blood puts it on wet ice as soon as it's taken, and that specimen is spun so that the cells are separated from the plasma within 30 minutes of phlebotomy, and see if your homocysteine is still elevated. If it is, measure the methionine. Because sometimes homocysteine is a little bit elevated because methionine is way up, because you need to do a balance of methylation and demethylation. Now, um, The Homocysteine Miracle is a book that Kilmer McCulley and his daughter wrote for the general audience. 
He's been publishing in this area, and many others have confirmed over the decades Mm -hmm. how critically important a healthy homocysteine is to long-lived healthy blood vessels uh, to avoiding stroke and uh, coronary risks. Mm -hmm. Great. This is fascinating. I mean, we've gotten away a bit from the acid alkalinity, but I think it's all great information that corrects a lot. Let me bring it back. Uh Let me bring it back if I may. Let me Mm -hmm. bring it back if I may. When your cells are alkaline, Mm -hmm. your methionine will be higher and your homocysteine will be healthier and lower. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons for a refractory elevation of homocysteine is metabolic acidosis due to magnesium deficiency and ATP deficiency and mitochondrial uh, compromise Mm -hmm. because of the low magnesium in the cell. Mm -hmm. So we really do need to alkalinize. Uh, One of my colleagues, Sherry Rogers, wrote a book called Alkalinize or Die. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another colleague wrote a book called First of All, Do No Harm. Second of All, Think of Magnesium. Uh, So there really are a number of resources, especially in the last couple of years, that have linked the importance of a true alkaline environment or milieu inside the cell with a healthy sulfur uh, balance. Um, And we do recommend that you take in the high sulfur foods that you can digest, assimilate, and eliminate without immune burden. And those are G-G-O-B-E by acronym, garlic, ginger, Mm -hmm. onions, brassica sprouts, and eggs. G-G-O-B-E, garlic, ginger, onions, brassica sprouts, Mm -hmm. and eggs. Mm -hmm. And each of those is a high sulfur food. One or more of those should be a staple in the diet, not a condiment. That's a comment from Thomas Jefferson. And like Thomas Jefferson, I'm a grieving optimist. Mm -hmm. That's great. Good. And can you tell us about the negative health effects of being too acidic? Yes. If your pH in the morning after rest is below 6.5, you are losing matrix in your bones. So you're you're at risk of osteopenia and osteoporosis. You're at risk of renovascular illness, which means high blood pressure, as well as kidney um, compromise and eventually kidney functional decline. Uh, If you're acidic, your immune system becomes intolerant, your digestion becomes impaired, what we call the microbiome of digestion begins to um, not have the resilience and the um, uh, energetics necessary to protect you from the invasion of the outside world. And so now toxins that would normally be trapped by mucins and secretory IgA and various other protective elective factors, those elective protective factors are only made when you're alkaline, when you're acidic, the body shuts those down to conserve the limited amount of energy that it has. And I could go on for the rest of the day because staying alkaline physiologically as measured by urine pH after rest is essential to long-term health and well-being. Mm-hmm. Is the test that you mentioned then after six hours of sleep the main way to find out if you're sufficiently alkaline or are there other tests? Oh, I can explain much more expensive uh, uh, ways of measuring. Mm -hmm. Um, But what we're suggesting is that people at home measure this themselves, Mm -hmm. work with a health coach or someone like you who knows how to interpret it, who understands the joy of living the alkaline way and can get people that 100-page document so that they can benefit from true alkalinization, not false alkalinization, uh, including keeping your urine pH between 6.5 to 7.5 after rest uh, so that 
it, it can confirm that you are actually getting enough of the buffering minerals, particularly magnesium and potassium that your cells need mm-hmm. uh, for, for survival and more importantly for elective protective mechanisms to keep the bad stuff out and enable the good stuff to come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that I've noticed is that sometimes I get cramps in my legs, and I understand that that can be potassium, magnesium, calcium, or sodium. Is that correct? No. Um, <laughs> leg, leg cramps are a deficit of magnesium until proven otherwise. They mm-hmm. are not a deficit of calcium. You might have a relative excess of calcium because you have an absolute deficiency of magnesium. Mm-hmm. But don't confuse a relative excess of calcium with an absolute deficiency of magnesium. Correct the deficiency of magnesium. Don't withhold the calcium. Great. So let people have calcium, but make sure they get enough magnesium. Let people have sodium, but let them get enough potassium. And then, by the way, the form of the mineral is critical because most of the mineral forms that we have available to us are actually acid contributing. This includes the chlorides, the sulfates, the oxides, the most common forms of the minerals are actually acidifying. Um, and if you make a keto acid out of the complex of the magnesium, that's acidifying. So you really want to be careful to use a true alkalinizing mineral and then enhance its uptake and chaperone its delivery using choline citrate, but only choline citrate. Okay. Choline bitartrate does not work and is immunizing and potentially harmful, whereas choline citrate enhances the uptake and chaperones the delivery. Mm-hmm. And you have a program to help people move toward alkalinity. And how long does it usually take to go from an unhealthy to a healthy alkalinity in the body? Well, it depends on how deficient your body is. Let's say you're a typical American who has been eating an acid-forming diet that is processed and mineral deficient, and now you start testing for maybe a dollar a day your urine pH after rest, as I'm recommending, as written up in uh, the self-assessment of urine pH measurement. It's a little self-assessment kit that is available online and we urge people to use. Um, when you make these assessments, you have to you have to know yourself or you have to tell me, am I 100 milliequivalents deficient, in which case you will correct quickly mm-hmm. on the regimen of enhanced uptake and chaperone delivery, or are you thousands and thousands of milliequivalents deficient to the point where your periosteum, the supersaturated minerals on the surface of your bones, have become magnesium depleted, where you have osteopenia and osteoporosis because of long depletion of magnesium leading to softening and wasting of bones and large joints and, and so forth. So it can be anywhere from a short time to a longer time, depending on how big the deficit is. What we know is that if you stay at it and you take in what we recommend, you will safely and effectively replenish the magnesium while recharging the body with the citrate and the choline. Mm-hmm. And what can people do at home to maintain their alkalinity? Right. What they can do at home is to have a diet that they can digest, assimilate, and eliminate without immune burden based on the LRA by ELISA Act tests that my lab provides. Uh, and then they make self-assessments like hemoglobin A1C, uh, 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 HSCRP, high sensitivity, C-reactive protein, homocysteine, lymphocyte response assay by ELISA Act. Check your vitamin D level. Uh, check your omega-3 index. 
Uh, check your 8-oxoguanine, which is a measure of oxidative stress in the urine. So there are eight predictive biomarkers that cover all of epigenetics. And where we think people should start is where with very inexpensive self-assessments, self-assessments such as urine pH after rest, transit time of digestion, hydration status, and C-cleanse. How much ascorbate do you need to overcome the oxidative burden you're under? Mm-hmm. Um, and the amount of ascorbate you need is linearly related to your antioxidant deficiency or your excess of oxidative stressors. So it's a comprehensive approach. It is called the joy of living the alkaline way because when you're really healthy, you are alkaline and you recycle efficiently and you produce protein that is properly folded and passes quality control. Whereas if your cell is even a little bit acidic, that efficiency goes down dramatically. The catalysts or enzymes of the cells are exquisitely pH sensitive. So small changes in cellular pH have profound implications for vitality, for resilience, for chronic uh, resistance or hospitality to illness uh, and the like. Mm -hmm. Great. Good. And can you tell us a little bit, Dr. Jaffe, about foods that are alkaline and acid-producing? Sure. The acid-producing foods uh, and the alkaline metabolic foods are in the Joy of Living the Alkaline Way Guide. Uh, This is a free table that we recommend people use, that you eat 80% of what is on your plate from the alkaline side if you're recovering and 60% if you're maintaining good health, which means when you're recovering, you can have 20% from the acid-forming side, but 80% from the alkaline-forming side. And what's on the alkaline-forming side? It's the fruits and vegetables. It's the grasses. It's the easy-to-digest-and-assimilate lentils and beans and uh, other high-fiber foods. Look at the chart. Use it to construct your shopping list and your consumption list. And yes, you can have 20% that is dairy products, especially cow dairy, but that's acid-forming. Meat is acid-forming. Protein is acid-forming. Most fat is acid-forming. In my home, we've done a makeover. Mm -hmm. What that means is we cook with water and broth and wine, but we don't have what are called edible oils, either in our cooking or really in our diet. Mm. I don't eat fried crisp food. I agree with the 2,000-year-old man. Don't stay away from fried foods. Uh, They are unhealthy. Um, And you don't need them if you're a 21st century person because you're going to get all sorts of stress and toxins exposed to you on a daily basis. And we want you to have a lifestyle that mitigates that to the point where the toxins that you get exposed to are removed regularly and they don't accumulate either in your cells or in your fat pad or in your brain or in your heart or in your body. It's interesting because we're taught that oils are good for you. Olive oil, especially the organic, cold-pressed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And yet Dr. Eschelstein agrees that you don't have oils in your diet if you want a right. healthy heart. And even to the point where he eliminates avocados, which I thought were good for you, but he eliminates well, those. Well, with, with respect, and I do have great respect for Dr. Esseltine, and I agree with most but not all of what he said. Mm-hmm. The issue with avocados is not the fat. It's the calories. Oh, because oh. while I am an active elder, mm-hmm. and I'm proud to be both active and an elder, um, 
avocados, a small avocado will have 250 calories. Mm -hmm. a, a, a larger avocado might have 350 or 400 calories. I get to consume, if I want to keep my weight at a healthy level, and mm -hmm. I do, and I used to be 60 pounds heavier and I lost the weight and I won't find it again because mm -hmm. I feel better, I sleep better, I'm, my moods are better, I'm glad to have lost the weight. Um, the issue with avocados is calories. Now, what he says is avoid all foods that are rich in oil. Mm -hmm. And I disagree with that. Where he and I might agree if he was here, but he's not, mm -hmm. is that if you take whole seeds, sesame seeds, mm -hmm. or other seeds, including hemp seeds and whatever seed you have, and you make a fresh nut butter, it will be oily. Because when you crack the shell of the seed, you expose the oil to the outside world. Now, where he is, is exactly correct is if you do that commercially, the oxygen will cause rancidity that you can mask in your production, but is unhealthy for the person. Mm -hmm. So we don't, we recommend people have lots of seeds and lots of foods that contain native oils, but in balance with their activity. Now, my son, who is half my age and, and less, mm -hmm. uh, is able to take in more calories because he's much more physically active. And yes, I do weight bearing and I do some cardio and I do some exercise and I stretch a lot and I'm happy with all of that. But what it comes out to is I get to have about 1,800 to 2,000 calories a day. Mm -hmm. And therefore, every calorie has to be a quality calorie from my point of view. Mm -hmm. So I have Lots of soups. I have lots of broths. I have lots of stew. I have lots of chili, which is a healthy anti-cancer health uh, digestion promoting uh, food, as is curry, uh, as are most of the grass-based foods. Grasses are easy to digest, eliminate, and assimilate, or assimilate and eliminate, not in contrast to grains. Mm -hmm. So if you have a weak digestion or if you've been measured and found to have reactivity against any of the grains, any of the cow dairy, any of the protein sources, I would restrict those. Now, let's get on to the issue of olive oil. Mm -hmm. Yes, a lot of money is spent on EVO and how good extra virgin olive oil is. Mm -hmm. But the EVO that we buy is not what is the real thing. And oh. I, my family and I were in Tuscany and it was mm -hmm. olive harvest time. So we helped bag up the olives and bring them at night to the Oleandro where there was this big stone mill that was slowly turning and coming out of it was this dark green, mm -hmm. viscous, mm -hmm. cloudy material. And it was exquisite. And it's true EVO. It's true extra virgin olive oil. So I said to the people there, boy, this is so delicious. Where do we buy this? And they laughed and they said, this is what keeps us happy and healthy. We eat this. What you buy as EVO <laughs> has been processed within an inch of its life and it is not the same by oh, any means. Oh, oh, oh. And I'll finish the story in the following way. After this overnight event in the morning, there was a mountain of spent olive mash and a big truck with the name Bertoli came, picked it up. And what they told me was the first time that Bertoli processes that spent olive mash, they're going to call it extra virgin olive oil. Oh, Sorry, <laughs> extra virgin olive oil. If you talk to the experts in extra virgin olive oil, they will tell you it is a uh, it's a travesty. It's a uh, it, it's mm -hmm. a crisis waiting to be announced. But what we get is clarified by the edible oils industry because they learned years ago that people somehow preferred clear rather than cloudy mm -hmm. cooking oils. Mm -hmm. And what I'm saying is once you separate 
the oil from the source, problems start that you can't stop. Mm -hmm. And if you take the oils in their native form, say in the seeds or in the nuts or in the foods, but in moderation, so you Mm -hmm. don't have excess calories, Mm -hmm. and you check that you are immune tolerant uh, to that uh, source, that food, uh, then you can be healthy in the 21st century. It's Mm -hmm. a challenge, but it can be. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the other oils that are pushed today, including low-temperature coconut oil, mm-hmm. um, grapeseed oil, uh, almond oil. Uh, there's nothing wrong with those if you use a few drops to make a fondue now and then, or you mm-hmm. use a few drops uh, in a wok now and then. Um, but once you separate the components of a food, once you separate the oil from the seed, I'm telling you trouble is on the way, and you will not be able to mitigate it. What you will be able to do in the oil industry is uh, mask it. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, the oils that are generally used today from cottonseed oil to palm oil, to me, they have no place in the human healthy diet. Um, And I've said my piece about extra virgin olive oil is really a... uh, uh, an embarrassment uh, to the olive. Um, although I can tell you on a regular basis, I have olives in my diet, but I don't use extra virgin olive oil because I don't need those calories and I don't need the risk of rancidity. I don't need the risk of the masking agents that are put in there, the anti-spatter agents that are put in there. I am a guy who says physiology before pharmacology. Uh, and I also say you eat whole foods within the mm-hmm. immune tolerance of your digestion, and then you can get the bad stuff out and the good stuff in, uh, in balance and proportion. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us your views on the vegan diet, since you've said that meat is acidic, and because so many doctors are moving more like Dr. Eschelstein and the people that have cured multiple sclerosis moved to the paleo and they're moving to different variations of the vegan diet and what are your views on this well i think i'm as confused as everybody else Mm -hmm. Uh, let me describe my understanding and your listeners can decide if i'm accurate or not Mm -hmm. there's vegetarian then there's vegan then there's fruitarian and then there's breatharian Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but setting that aside although I'll come back to the difference between vegetarian and vegan. Um, you have the almost universally uh, misunderstood and critically important factor of what your body can digest, assimilate, and eliminate without immune burden. Mm-hmm. And you heard what I said before about 80% alkaline forming, which would be modified vegetarian. You could, if you went vegan, which means all vegetables and fruits but mm-hmm. no eggs mm-hmm. and nothing uh, of that nature, mm-hmm. whereas vegetarians generally allow a certain amount of sheep or goat dairy products and or eggs. And I've mentioned that eggs, especially goose and duck eggs, are high sulfur foods. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be quite okay. Mm-hmm. So I am a modified vegetarian. I am not a vegan. With regard to paleo, there's a complete misunderstanding, but the way it is normally explained is you can have all the protein and fat you want. What you want to eliminate is those pesky, high-fiber vegetables because because they have what are called lectins. Mm -hmm. Well, 
You can have a misunderstanding about lectins, or you can love them the way I do mm -hmm. as part of a healthy diet, a high fiber diet. If you say, I want no lectins, I want no protein, uh, sorry, I want lots of protein and fat, um, you can be a um, paleo modern. Oh, oh, paleo. Oh. But remember, remember, and Esseltine has pointed this out, as have mm -hmm. others. When you say paleo, you're hearkening back to a time when it was feast and famine. Mm -hmm. The feast was you went out and caught something, an animal in general, and you feasted on it. And then you went through a period where it was enforced famine because for various conditions, you couldn't capture anything. Mm -hmm. um, I am a big advocate for being a modified vegetarian. I think you can be a healthy vegetarian. You can be a healthy vegan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the transition should be slow and mm -hmm. methodical. And the more esoteric your diet, the more I think you need guidance about hydration and what it is that you can uh, immunologically be tolerant to. That means what you can digest, assimilate, and eliminate without immune burden. Um, and so I've met friends who became fruitarians. Mm. All they eat is ripe fruit mm -hmm. in season. Okay. If that makes you healthier by the measures I'm talking about, the eight predictive biomarkers that cover all of epigenetics, great. Mm -hmm. But I know a lot of people who, from my point of view, have become philosophical or political uh, uh, advocates for veganism or for mm -hmm. paleo mm -hmm. diets. Mm -hmm. And very often when we look at their digestion, it's not so healthy. Mm. So I want you to have a healthy digestion, and I want you to make a transition to the diet that supports you at this season of your life with the activity and caloric requirements and metabolic and toxicologic and uh, digestive requirements that you have, mm -hmm. and that's where we place our emphasis. Great. Good. I didn't realize that the paleo was heavy fat and all. Yes. Atkins is an example of modern paleo, which mm -hmm. means you, mm -hmm. know, you can have all the fat and protein you want, just restrict those carbs. Oh. And what it means, what it means metabolically and biochemically is you put yourself in starvation mode. Mm -hmm. And I promise you, if you're ketoacidotic and in starvation mode, you'll lose weight. Mm -hmm. But you're also acidic at the cellular level. And I've told you that'll make you sick over time. Mm -hmm. And you can compensate that by taking in huge, huge, huge amounts of mineral supplements to keep your urine pH in the six and a half to seven and a half range, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. but, I, but, but to me, it's challenging enough to follow what I will call a healthy metabolic and digestive or metabolomic and microbiomic approach. That's where I would place my emphasis, and I wouldn't be philosophical or political about it. Mm -hmm. I would be sensible about it. I would eat uh, in my house. We have a permaculture biodynamic food forest in the front yard. We have mushroom guilds in the backyard. So some of what we eat is actually locally grown right on our property. Mm -hmm. We also belong to a CSA, a community-supported agriculture. Ours happens to be biodynamic, which I prefer. Um, and then we go out and make sure that we're buying whole foods that we can easily combine into yummy things with lots of seasonings and with Celtic sea salt used at the table, but not in the cooking. Mm -hmm. Um, and as I indicated before, we cook with whole foods, uh, but we don't need what I will call fractionated foods, including edible oils, because in those fractionated oils, uh, there's buried harm from Esseltine's point of view, from mm -hmm. others' point of view, and I agree with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're getting close to the end, so I want to talk a little bit 
about the controversy before we look at your books, products, services, etc. Can you tell us a little bit about, there seems to be two points of view. One is that the body maintains itself as far as the acid alkalinity balance, and there are those that like your views, and you've changed my view because I was one of those that thought the body handled it fine, but you've changed my views. Can you talk a little bit about this? Well, yes. What people are referencing when they say the body is homeostatic or self-regulating is that the carbonic anhydrase system determines the ratio of carbon dioxide to bicarbonate. And so if you take in more bicarbonate, the carbonic anhydrase will chew it up. If you take in less bicarbonate, the body will make bicarbonate and keep the balance of CO2 to bicarbonate which is also the balance between acid and alkaline, CO2 becomes carbonic acid. So when you measure CO2, you're really measuring the acid proportion in contrast to the bicarbonate. And that is regulated by a catalyst or enzyme system known as carbonic anhydrase. Notice that what I said was false false alkalinization involves taking bicarbonate by mouth and thinking that you're going to alkalinize the body. Mm -hmm. That's not how it works. Mm -hmm. Only minerals like potassium and magnesium, only short and medium chain fatty acids such as MCT, only alkaline amino acids such as uh, recycled glutamine, lysine, uh, etc. They are the physiologic buffers, the physiologic alkalinizers, and they are essential to maintain a healthy gradient inside the cell so that the cell can accept Mm -hmm. acid and ATP from the mitochondrial battery and maintain what's called the proton gradient, for which they gave Mitchell the Nobel Prize for showing how essential it is Mm -hmm. for the cell to have Mm -hmm. enough magnesium to activate ATP and to receive that ATP from the cytochrome system known as the mitochondria. Mm -hmm. So we want to follow physiology with the joy of living the alkaline way. We want to do self-assessments, such as I indicated, for transit time, urine, pH, hydration, and how to do the C-Cleanse safely and effectively to find out how much antioxidant you need to manage the oxidative stress of your life. Then I suggest going on to the eight predictive biomarkers. Uh, Folks can get information at betterlabtestsnow.com, betterlabtestsnow.com now.com, where consumers can get these kinds of functional tests and interpretations, lifestyle interpretations that cover all of epigenetics, all of the 92% of your health that you can Mm -hmm. influence Mm -hmm. or ignore. If you ignore it, you'll become chronically ill. You'll have repair deficit known as inflammation. You'll have self-attack known as autoimmunity. You'll have chronic illness, which is another way of saying self-attack and autoimmunity. And we want you to be tolerant We want you to have a wide variety of foods and a wide variety of ways that you can digest, assimilate, and eliminate without immune burden. And with our tests and with our services, we can uh, help guide people uh, or help their health coaches and their health professionals guide people Mm -hmm. uh, to living well, living long in the 21st century. Mm -hmm. And did you, if I missed it, your website? Well, we have a number of websites. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh, First of all, there's drrusselljaffe.com. Then there's perk, P-E-R-Q-U-E dot com. That's about nutritional products of a higher uh, uh, efficacy. And then there's Eliza Act, 
dot com, E-L-I-S-A-A-C-T, ELISAact.com. And that's the first one-step ex vivo cell culture that tells you what you should eat, what you should substitute, and how to restore tolerance in your immune system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. And this has been wonderful. I have learned so much. And that's okay. always exciting for me because I always like to be learning. I'm only 86. And so do you have parting words for the listeners? I guess I do. My suggestion is you eat what you can digest, assimilate, and eliminate without immune burden, that you live in harmony with your nature, getting restored to sleep, staying well hydrated, eating the whole foods that nourish you, and staying away from fads and fictions and myths uh, that do abound. Uh, but uh, I have always found them to be wanting and lacking, whereas The Joy of Living the Alkaline Way is a free digital guide you can download from many of our websites. Mm-hmm. You can look for us on social media, including Facebook, LinkedIn. Uh, they tell me I have a Twitter account, but I, I don't do that stuff. People are nice <laughs> enough to do it for me. But it's easy to find our message and our method. It's easy to use in terms of being very high value and very personalized. So if you want personalized, proactive, predictive, primary prevention practices, follow the joy of living the alkaline way, and may we all be well and happy. Mm -hmm. Thank you very, very much, Dr. Jaffe. I appreciate this. Well, thanks for doing what you do, Carl. Thanks for wanting uh, to understand more deeply yourself and for introducing people uh, to what I will call Mm evidence-based functional and personalized medicine, as opposed to uh, fashion or vogue or myth and magic, which does abound, does abound. It is all over the place. And I do my best to distinguish fact from fiction. Great. Thank you.